0: Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Sherry Walling. She's a clinical psychologist, a speaker, a podcaster, and an entrepreneur. And she's released a new book called Touching Two Worlds, which really goes through her own grief of losing both her father and her brother within six months of each other, and how what she learned through that experience can actually help you if you're also experiencing grief. So enjoy. Make sure to grab the official Not Over Just Different Welcome Pack. It's filled with some of the best tools for inspiring your best life, all absolutely free. Just go to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash welcome gift to download yours now. Hi, I'm Natalie Ledwell and welcome to Not Over Just Different, a podcast for women of a respectable age facing life's next new chapter. So grab a cup of tea and pour yourself a glass of wine and join me for some deep, real, and candid conversations about everything from health, aging gracefully, relationships, and how to make the next 50 years even better than the first. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast for this week. This week, we're talking about a subject that um, is a little challenging for most of us, not just challenging when we're going through it ourselves, but also challenging when we have someone close to us who is also going through it. So I want you to welcome my special guest, Dr. Sherry Walling. Hi, Sherry. How are you?
1: <laughs> I am delighted to be in conversation with you today. Yes, I Thanks am for having too. me.
0: Now, Sherry is the author of a new book called Touching Two Worlds, a guide for finding hope in the landscape of loss. So today we are going to be talking about loss and grief um, and, you know, a constructive ways uh, that we can navigate through this time and, and also how we can support others that are going through it as well. And I think the last couple of years has been uh, a lot of people have really, you know, actually I was um, speaking to a, a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Linda Clemens, um, last mm. week and Le- Linda lost 22 people. During the oh, pandemic. my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, ha- having to navigate through something like that is just, you know, ha- knowing how to do that is really important, I think. So um, Yeah. It, I yeah. mean, my book, obviously, like you're alluding to, is
1: is a mostly about loss related to death. But there are so many other losses that the pandemic brought about, right? The loss of plans, the loss of high school graduation parties and weddings and just all the things that, Really bring a lot of joy to our lives were put on hold or altered, um, or sometimes just lost. Yeah, and I think that kind of loss also brings about a sense of
0: grief. Yeah. Now I know that uh, you are a psychologist, mm-hmm. um, but there is more of a personal story or reason why you wrote this book. So would you be able to share that with us?
1: Yeah. So this this book really is you know part have well it's heavily memoir it really is about my own experience of loss and the experience that the book is based on is i lost my dad to esophageal cancer and then my brother to suicide within a six-month period of each other so i did this really deep dive into grief uh following these losses probably some before the losses too but um so the psychologist in me though was kind of often confused or feeling this sort of sense of disjointedness between what I was experiencing in my individual grief and some of what I learned in graduate school academically about how grief happens. And so in the book, I'm telling my story, but then also reflecting on my learnings about grief and in ways that I hope offer some tools and ideas to other people who are going through similar kinds
0: of experiences. Yeah. Because that's the thing, academically, we can go, okay, well, you know, this is what the brain, this is what happens to the brain, this is, you know, the the stages that people go through, but it's really not like that. Like, there really isn't a one-size-fits-all or a one-way that people grieve, is there? No, it's so
1: messy, Mm. and I think I wasn't fully prepared for that. Um, And it's also really beautiful, which I wasn't prepared for, because I think... For me as a psychologist, somebody who's in grief that feels like a pathology, like a problem to solve or an illness to treat. And I really found a lot of connection to the beauty that I experienced in grief because it was born out of such love for my family members. And so that was one of these like recastings that I needed to do for myself was to stop thinking about grief as like a thing to treat and To think of it as a thing to honor or to revere as the natural byproduct of loving
0: someone. Mm. So can you give me an example of of the beauty that you got to experience through that?
1: I think even the, the time spent in memory, you know, in grief... You you're often thinking of the person that you lost. You're noticing the places in your life where their absence is really relevant. You you long for them. Maybe you talk aloud to them or you just are are missing them. And that's it's painful. I don't mean to uh say that it isn't, mm-hmm. but I also found it to be really representative of my, you know, thoughtfulness around my dad and my brother, my longing for them, my love for them. So at first, when I was thinking a lot about them, I thought, oh, I, I should, I got to be careful. Like, I don't want to fall in this pattern where I'm just thinking about the past or somebody that's not there anymore. But I, I kind of relaxed into it and just thought, you know, when they come to mind, they come to mind and I'll acknowledge that they're there and I'll thank them for visiting me. And Let that be a non-pathological process. Just be a a reminder of my love for them.
0: Right. So has this changed the way that you treat people um, when it comes to loss? You know, one of the
1: biggest changes uh, that I have really implemented into my practice based on my own experience is a deep integration of the body into any conversation about grief. Hmm. And what I mean is, um, you know, I think with grief, with any kind of psychotherapy, and I'm a huge fan of psychotherapy. It's what I do for a living. So I, I'm not disparaging my um, field here as much as saying, we've really focused on words. We've really focused on our cognitive, our brain's ability to think about, talk about, label, identify and all of those things very very helpful but i just have come to feel that they're that's incomplete because so much of what we feel lives in our bodies it lives in the places that we have pain in our body it lives in our breath it lives in our heartbeat it lives in our movement and so grief can be slow and still it can also be tumultuous and chaotic it can be angry it can be tender but all of those emotion states i think need some physical expression so that we can feel more integrated so right. uh, yeah for me movement
0: has become a really important part of grief it, with my work with my clients right and by movement do you mean something like like tai chi or qigong or or that kind of a movement
1: I think people have to find their own way with movement. Right. So it can be dance. It can be yoga. I think Tai Chi, qigong are excellent options. Mm. For me, it's been circus arts um, to be an aerialist, which is a sort of form of dancing. But I think some, you know, long distance running, swimming, like something that helps you tap into motion and your motion state, motion mm. and emotion
0: together. I like that. <clears throat> And, and as you were saying before, it, grief can be can come up surprisingly. Like it can be, you know, out of the blue. And I know that uh, one of the things or one of the chapters that you talk about in the book is, you know, crying in public
1: <laughs> because, mm. you
0: know, I, I agree with you. I feel that grief or any of our emotions can get trapped in our body. So something like movement is great to be able to help to release that, but then every once in a while it's going to come out at probably an inopportune moment. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, did you have a did you have a situation where you were? Oh, it's you know, airplanes, <laughs> right? Airplanes all the time on airplanes,
1: which is terrible because you're like stuck there, right? There's nowhere to go, and depending on what time in the flight it is, you can't even like go to the bathroom. So, I traveled a lot during the season of of these losses because I was visiting my father in another state and and just um, kind of on the road taking care of family members and attending to them and. Uh, yeah, I would get on a flight and even now, almost every time I fly, there's something about it where I find myself crying. So I've, I've just gotten used to it. I always get the window seat, like I'll bargain with people for the window seat if I don't get it naturally. So I can at least like have a moment of privacy to turn. Um, but I've also just come to accept it as something
0: that happens to me. Um, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm okay with it. We discuss all different kinds of emotions on the show, but there's one in particular that can have a deep and negative effect on the body and your mind, and that's fear. Fear is what prevents us from using love and our intuition as a stepping stone for growth. And because it's such a powerful emotion, it's important to be able to harness the tools to ditch it altogether. So if you head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash mini guide, you'll receive a step-by-step formula for not just understanding fear, but understanding why it shows up and how to release it. And it's absolutely free. The 10 steps in this free guide are exactly what successful people use to ditch fear and anxiety right in its tracks. So if you too would like to know how, then go to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash mini guide to access the guide now. So um, I know that um, the loss of your father and your brother were two different circumstances or two different situations. Is the grief the same or does it show up differently?
1: I think in some ways it's the same. There's the same kind of longing, the same kind of disbelief that they're gone, the same identity shifts that go along with I used to be a woman who had a father, and I used to be somebody's sister. So I'm no longer, you know, I no longer have those affiliations as part of my identity. I'm not Dave's sister anymore, not really. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of similarities, but I I found them to be different experiences for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, we did know my dad was going to die. We had 18 months from the time of his diagnosis to the time of his death, which I don't think makes the grief less, but I do think it's spread out differently. Right. The timing is different. You sort of begin grieving sooner and it it just gets shifted. Um, it also allows for more conversations. You know, my dad helped to plan his memorial service, which felt felt nice. It felt lovely that he could like weigh in on what music he wanted and those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, my brother's death also had an, a, a little bit of a different, I guess, thing in that it was violent. And so it was traumatic. It was horrible to learn about, horrible to know about, hard to reconcile who he was in the body that he walked around with to how he ended with my dad's death. I, I was with him. You know, I was in bed next to him when he died. My whole family was there. And so we kind of got to usher him across in this very connected, loving way. But my brother died alone. He died in a remote place. You know, it, it, it felt very disjointed right. and that makes It's sort of grief plus there's grief plus some elements of trauma and there's grief plus some of the like shame and complication around conversations related to suicide, you know, with cancer, people are like, you know, it always happens to the good ones. Like that's so sad. You know, you know, there's just no blame on my father. Right. He, you know, he just died of cancer. Like shit happens. Um, with my brother, the conversations are different. People mm-hmm. don't know how to place it. Like, did he do this to himself? It, you know, it, it's a it's a different conversation
0: which can make the grief a little more isolated. Right. Well, you bring up a, a great subject, which is how people are around you. Like, you know, I, I know you're you're married. Do you have children? I do. I have a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. Right. Yeah. So, you know, how... How was that being with them in this grief and and how did you, you know, how did you navigate through that together as a family?
1: Yeah, I actually wrote about this quite a lot in the book. It it became something I reflected on a lot. The whole conversation around children and grief, I think, is people get real uncomfortable around it. Um, my children are quite involved in all of this. Um, Both my dad and my brother stayed with us or near us at different times during their various experiences. And so my brother or my children, rather, saw my dad as he was going through chemo. They saw him sick. They saw him get sicker. And so we're very open conversations about him preparing to die. Mm -hmm. And that felt really important and sort of connected us in sharing in a story that was heavy and serious and important, but also that one that we shared. Okay. I do think that, um, you know, to be honest, grief was quite hard on my marriage because no matter how connected you are, people experience grief differently. Right. And my husband had known my father and brother for years and years and years, but I still had a different relationship and it felt very different for him to lose them than for me to lose them. So I think it's a time of strain and reorientation for a lot of couples. Something I kind of wish we talked more about because I, I think a lot of couples sort of get lost in the shuffle yeah. in the midst of acute grief. And it, it doesn't always have to be that way, but it is quite difficult.
0: Yeah. So what are some tools or things that couples could do? Because I, 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 I actually have two friends of mine who lost uh, their adult children during mm-hmm. and not to, to do with COVID, just happened to be in that time. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it, people like you said, everyone processes grief differently, and so when you're in a in a relationship and you're both, you know, like on different islands, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, how how do how can um, couples kind of navigate through that?
1: Yeah, it it is actually one of the most helpful times to have a therapist, right. and I. I don't just dull that out as the default recommendation for every situation. Um, and the reason that the language that you use, I think, is really beautiful. You're on two different islands. And in a way, you're both on the islands you need to be on. Right. And you can't force yourself to jump on your partner's island. It's just not in you. And so to have a clinician, a therapist, a coach, somebody who's really adept at being able to go back and forth between the two islands and kind of be a translator and be like, yeah, they're still over there on Isolation Island and they're okay. Hmm. They're okay. You don't need to worry, but you you do need to wait. That yeah. kind of translation is so helpful because people really struggle to get there themselves. Yeah. I think the other thing about that kind of grief process, especially in a couple, is it's an extraordinary amount of patience and of really acknowledging that the person in front of you may be grieving very differently and, and they're not wrong. But it does often mean that neither person in the couple is getting what they need from their partner. Because when you're in grief, you don't have a ton of energy to then dole out on attending to your partner and so your resources are low and your needs are high and their resources are low and their needs are high
0: and it's just a very very tender space for both of you. Hmm. Yeah I like the idea of having a like a third party or someone that can help to navigate those conversations and or at least because I think sometimes you don't even know how to have that conversation or how to you know and you know we often fall in the um, trap whether it's grief or anything else, that we think that our partners or the opposite sex are thinking the same way that we are, <laughs> mm-hmm. which doesn't yeah. happen that way. We we think sure. very differently, you know. Um, so yeah, so so I mean, how long has it been now, and and how are you? You know, how are you? Um, move? Is it, is it? Are you still grieving? Like, what does that? Look I'm like over for you it. Like? I...
1: <laughs> <laughs> All done. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's been a couple years now. Uh, My brother died in May of 2019. So we're coming up on about two and a half years since he died. And then my dad six months before that. So almost three years. Mm -hmm. And I will say that, um, writing about it has been a gift because it has allowed me to have conversations about them and kind of keep them In a way, front and center. Maybe not front and center. That's not exactly what I mean. But keep them present and active in my life. Um, And that helps. I think about them fondly. I think about them often. I talk about them relatively often. And that, I think, functions in the positive aspects of grief, the positive aspects of keeping them with me, not the, like, difficult aspect of grief, which is longing for a reality that can never happen again. Right. So I. I would say for me, there's no timeline on this, but for me, I no longer feel like I'm in the acute throes of grief. Although I still do have some moments when I'm just sort of like astounded that I can't just call up my dad and be like, how do I barbecue those ribs again? (laughs) You
0: know, like (laughs) he's just not there for that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I, I, you know, I, Like you said, I think it it is different for everyone, but still being in a place where you can get to a point where you can celebrate their life Mm -hmm. and think fondly, um, uh, although I'm sure that you still have sad moments as well. Yep. Yeah. 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 So so I know the book is available on Amazon uh, and any way that you can buy a book. (laughs) Yep. So um, so what is the – What's the experience that you'd like readers to have, you know, when they go through? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I think there are a
1: couple of things. The first is that they have a sense of not being alone in the whole multitude of things that can happen on the spectrum of grief. Mm. You know, I hope that they read in my stories like, oh, you did that too? Or, I didn't do that, but I got it. I get it. Like, um, so some of that just sense of connection and, and normalizing that grief is a pretty upending kind of experience. And I do hope that my learnings will give some fresh ideas to folks. So when they feel like they're bogged down by grief and they're not sure what to do with those feelings that there's a a journaling practice or a breath prompt or something that's like oh i could try
0: that i'll try that for a few minutes oh and that helps yeah i love that so the book is called touching two worlds by dr sherry walling um like i said you can find that online now if people wanted to reach out to you sherry um where could they do that where can we send them to connect with you
1: yeah. I'm all over, I'm all over the internet. <laughs> <You're> everywhere. <laughs> I'm everywhere. You know? Um, but yeah, touching is the website for the book, which has, um, some more photos and sort of background story about the book. Um, and you know, there's a contact form there. People can find me. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at, at Sherry Walling. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. Excellent.
0: <laughs> well, we'll make sure those links are in the, in the show notes. So Sherry, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And, and, uh, and thank you for sharing your experience. I know it takes some courage to do that, especially when it's um, such a deeply personal experience. Um, but I know that by doing so, you're really serving a lot of people who you know, are going through grief right now.
1: Thank you for having me. Thanks for engaging the
0: conversation. I'm really grateful. Thanks for joining us today. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and haven't yet subscribed to our podcast, please go ahead and do so on iTunes or Spotify or go to mindmovies.com forward slash podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, remember, new episodes are released every Monday morning and we'd love to spread the word. So after you've subscribed, be a great girlfriend and pass it on to a friend who will enjoy this too. And don't forget to grab your official Not Over Just Different welcome pack. It includes some of the best tools for inspiring your best life, all completely free. Head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash welcome gift to grab yours today. Until next time, remember, it's not over, just different.